Hey friends, welcome to Tuesday, January the 11th, and thanks for joining me for today's episode of Enough for Today. We're in Psalm 33, and we're celebrating God. We are rejoicing in Him. I was thinking as the intro was rolling, um, when it comes to Scripture, I am a contextualist, and then I'm, I don't know if this is a word, I'm going to make it up, I'm a practicalist. In other words, there's this space that I would almost call uh, theoretical um, or, or uh, you know, academic or intellectual that is not really actionable, okay? And the reason I, I, I start with this today is because this psalm establishes uh, what one commentator called the universal sovereignty of God, that nothing escapes him. He knows the the depths of the ocean. He, he determined where the land and the sea would be. He knows the hearts of men. We're going to read it in a moment. He observes everything. He brings um, the counsel of the heathen to nothing, the devices of the people of no effect. His He makes sure that what he says happens and what, what he determines will stand, his counsel will stand. So this, this psalm is a celebration. It begins calling us to worship and celebration, it, but it, it's a celebration of his control. <clears throat> now, why do I say uh, there's a theoretical or there's this academic or intellectual side that's not really actionable or practical? That when you start to think about the sovereignty of God, it quickly becomes... Um, it really hard to wrap your brain around, okay? Because Scripture gives us two things that are seeming it seemingly in contradiction. It gives us first of all the idea that God is sovereign. Three things I'm going to mention: first, that God is sovereign; second, we look around and we see evil kind of still kind of having its way, or it appears to be sin. And then we read often in Scripture the idea of choice or the will of man, free will. And so you, you, you start to begin to theorize or intellectually wrestle with how, does, how is God in total control in sovereignty and providence, and yet sin is still alive and moving seemingly in a growing way? And then um, how can man have a choice? How can I have a choice to trust in faith if God is sovereign? Does he predetermine all that? Does he control my choices? And it begins to become, frankly, a uh, an unanswerable uh, mathematical question. Like, where does the sovereignty of God and the free will of man intersect? And I love, I, he was either Spurgeon or J.I. Packer, one of them said, I don't try to reconcile these two things because they're friends. <laughs> you don't have to reconcile friends. And the fact is, God teaches in scripture that he is sovereign. But somehow within the bounds of that sovereignty, uh, he does hold us accountable for choices. And we have a choice to submit to him, to trust him, to follow him, or, or we can disobey and rebel. And uh, I don't know about you, but in my lifetime, uh, there have been plenty of both, okay? And so uh, I don't know where those things intersect or how they, how they fit together, but in God's economy and on God's scale, they do. And I don't really spend a lot of time there because it's theoretical, Okay. God doesn't explain how they intersect. And so the minute I try to intersect them or resolve them, I get outside of the bounds of Scripture. What I'm going to end up doing is creating a framework of my conclusion and then and then force Scripture through it uh, like, like I'm creating a grid that Scripture has to, has to uh, submit to. In reality, 
Scripture is full of mystery. That mystery that we can't fully wrap our brains around. Why? Because it's an infinite book, book coming from an infinite mind and an infinite heart. And so some of these mysteries are not ours to solve. They're ours to accept and believe and rest in. And what we need to do out of a psalm like this is accept the sovereignty of God, rest in it, trust in it, celebrate it, and then act uh, out of it, act in it, act within it, obey follow, trust in faith uh, with the power of choice of our own will to align with what we know to be the sovereign power and counsel of God. And why is this so important? Because we live in a day where um, we need every day to remind ourselves that God is in control, that God is, that nothing catches him by surprise, and that he is governing and managing our lives well, in accordance with his grace, in accordance with his timeline, his providence, his sovereignty, that you and I were designed to live out his purposes in this moment. And my friend, every day I have to remind myself of that. And I imagine that Daniel did in Babylon and Ezekiel probably did as well in Babylon and Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and other followers of God who were all throughout scripture in places they didn't want to be wondering what in the world God was doing, okay? Uh, we're not like Joseph. We haven't been sold into slavery. We haven't been thrown into a pit. Uh, we, we're not like uh, Daniel. We haven't been taken hostage into a foreign land. We're not like Jeremiah. Our, our nation hasn't been invaded by a hostile hasn't been invaded by a hostile enemy. We're not sitting in the streets of our nation seeing uh, death and destruction all around us. So it could get worse, right? It could be worse. Uh, in, in, in retrospect and in, in, in perspective, I should say, to Scripture, our problems are, are relatively light, although they're heavy for us. <laughs> and they're heavy for those that are feeling them uh, very, very uh, personally right now in our society. So I get that. I'm not trying to make it make light or make trivial. I'm saying we are in good company. Lots of followers of God throughout human history have found themselves in predicaments that did not seem to be God-ordained, and yet they trusted in spite of those appearances. They trusted in spite of the doubts of their heart, and they chose to go with God. And that's really the sense that I want you to have as we come through the rest of this psalm, because we're going to learn right now as I read, and we're going to wrap up pretty quick, as I read the sovereignty, the presence, the pervasive presence of God. And it is, it does provoke within us a sense of wonder and mystery, a sense of restfulness, and a sense of joy and celebration. That even in a chaotic day with lots of noise, lots of rebellion against God, lots of seemingly growing uh, diabolical influence. Uh, we as God's people, he knows right where we are. He's with us in it. He's walking with us through it and he's using us right now. And, uh, you know, I was thinking today, Jesus said uh, on this rock, the rock of the declaration of his identity, uh, the Christ, the son of the living God, on that rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We should not be shocked when the gates of hell rise up against God's laws, God's counsel, God's church, God's people. We should not be shocked by that, um, but we should understand that 
the gates of hell will not prevail. Will not prevail. Evil may seem to be prevailing, but God promises us, no, it's not going to happen. Uh, he is the gatekeeper. He is the restrainer until he consummates his kingdom, destroys sin and death forever. We're in this juxtaposition of, of forces wrestling against us. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. We are in a spiritual battle. There are forces coming against the church. It is a daily grind of warfare spiritually against all of us and against our church. But the gates of hell will not prevail. And I find great comfort in what we're about to read. Verse 12 says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. The Lord looketh from heaven. He beholdeth all the sons of men. So nothing escapes his gaze. From the place of his habitation, he looketh upon all the inhabitants of the earth. Remember, Hebrew, Hebrew poetry often uh, repeats itself. So a repetitious thought. But God's looking at everything. And he's omnipresent, and he's omniscient. Omnipresent means he's everywhere. Omniscient means uh, he knows everything, okay? Omnipotence, we established early in the psalm. He's all-powerful, okay? Um, holiness means he's infinitely good. So when you put all this together, you get an airtight idea that you are uh, absolutely safe in the providence of God. He fashioneth, verse 15, he fashioneth their hearts alike. The idea meaning not only did he create us, but he understands every human heart. He's aware of every human heart. And uh, we're all essentially made the same, made of the same stuff uh, and designed the same way with the same needs and the same proclivities and the same strengths and weaknesses and potential. Um, so he considereth all their works. Now, I don't know if you see this through a negative lens or a positive lens. If you're God's child, this is a positive. It means that your work is valuable to him today. It means that he's doing a work through you and in you, and he is uh, touching and blessing the work you are doing, okay, that you are here to accomplish his work. If you don't know God, then this is a terrifying thought, that he's aware of everything. Verse 16, I'm going to pause. I don't, I don't want to take the time to get into verse 16 because it starts to begin to talk about our plans, our devices versus God's and ultimately his deliverance and his sovereignty. But I want to rest this right here today, my friend. And I've covered a lot of ground today, a lot of, a lot of big picture stuff. But remember the root and the foundation of this psalm is it calls us to celebrate. It calls us to worship. It calls us to know and remind ourselves and to teach others, our children and others, about the sovereignty and the providence of God. I love what, uh, well, I'll read it to you tomorrow. I'm kind of out of time. Celebrate him, rejoice in him today, rest in his sovereignty. He is in control. We'll see you tomorrow.